Welcome back. We are back again with another episode of Prospects Worldwide. We're continuing our series on the top prospects in every minor league system, and today we're on episode 14 out of 30. We've got plenty more down the pipeline, but today is all about the San Francisco Giants. It doesn't matter if it's an even or odd year this time, because the future's looking bright with all these prospects coming up. We'll break them all down right here, right now. So Giants fans, even though you can't watch in person this year, as balls get launched into McCovey Cove, today I invite you to sit back and talk about your baseball future. Enjoy it today. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide. Number 14 today, and it's all about the San Francisco Giants. We're here breaking down the entire organization's top prospects you need to know. Here today to talk about the prospects that will bring the Bay Area plenty of refound hope, the owner of Prospects Worldwide, and the conquistador of K-Rate, Mr. Jake Tillinghast. How's it going? How's it going? Ah, it's, a, it's another day. I uh, We're recording early today, so it is 5 a.m. local time to you, and for that, I apologize. <laughs> Yeah, excuse my um, grogginess or tiredness, whatever it sounds like. So, yeah, we'll just jump into it. <laughs> well, we won't we won't make you wait then, Jake. We'll go ahead and get this done so you can go back to sleep. I know how you like your nappy poos. But here today with us, Jake, we've got a good one. We've got a good guest here. Joining us once more, you guys may remember him from the NL West episode we did, hailing from the Philippines, our resident Giants expert and a valued eye here on all things scouting. Mr. Renzi Regadon. Renzi, welcome back, man. Yeah, hello, everyone. I mean, it's, it's pretty nice to be back here. So I'm just pretty excited to talk about Giants prospects today. So, I mean, Jake is not going to be happy about it, but <laughs> let's go. Yeah, I- I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad you're here. How are things in the Philippines right now? You guys, you guys enjoying the baseball season? Uh, personally, yeah, I enjoy the baseball season, actually, because... I mean, there are less games, so you just have to watch. At, I mean, every single game you have to watch. So it's just pretty nail-biting every single day, to be honest. About two weeks ago, I could say the same. Every game was nail-biting. The Orioles were 12-9 and nine and looking strong. And uh, I think they've lost, what, 12 of their last 14 or something like that. So all the nail-biting is gone, and now it's just sinking depression. <laughs> <laughs> but guys... Let's get down to it. Jake and Renzi, you know the drill here. We're going to give the Giants fans what they came for. They want to know about the top five guys in the system, and then at the rest of the back of the top 20, five more spotlight guys. The number one prospect in the system, though, is the franchise backstop. He offers all the best catcher tools, and every Giant fan knows who I'm talking about. It's Joey Bart. Sure, he doesn't have speed, but a future 50 hit, 60 power, 55 arm, and 70 glove make him an incredible prospect. You throw in the fact that he's going to be entrenched at a premium position, and that's all you need to be number one. He seems to have the makings of, you know, the gold glover that can hit bombs when you want. Is he a future MVP candidate? <laughs> I think the MVP candidate might be a bit of a stretch, but I can definitely see him win multiple gold gloves. But yeah, you're right in terms of the tools. I mean, he's my number one prospect. After all, because he can play the premium position at such a high level, quite honestly. So, I mean, you got a potential here to have a catcher who can garner multiple gold gloves with at least 30 home run power. And that's pretty unheard of for a catcher these days. So, I mean, that's why he's number one, in my opinion. I mean, just a hair above. Uh, So, I wonder, I mean, Buster Posey got an MVP, and we're talking... The big bat, the big glove, just like Posey offered, 
Why not call him an MVP? Well, I mean, Buster Posey has a pretty good hit tool, if you know, if you know it, because he won, he won a batting title in his MVP season. But Joy Bart can just really hit homers, and I mean, there will be strikeouts along the way, and the hit tool actually will likely be average, hovering around 250, I guess. But I mean, the the home run power is for real. That's fair. Uh, Jake, what are your thoughts on Bart? Um, am I am I overhyping the train when I when I put these MVPs out there? I just see you know thirty home run potential and Gold Gloves and the two mesh together to me is to say one of the best players in baseball. I'm pretty right on with Renzi's take. Quite honestly, I don't think he has the full tool set that Posey had. He has the defense, he has power and stuff, but the hit tool Posey had a legitimate plus hit tool, and mm-hmm. when you add that, that's what kind of added the MVP caliber, and then they were also in chances of where they were winning World Series and all. So hopefully the Giants get to that point with all their farm system coming up and Bart is in that position. But I personally don't exactly see it as well. With his complete tool set, I don't think it's quite an MVP level stake. But I mean, I wouldn't put it past the guy that everyone's looking at to be the Posey replacement. I said he's similar to Posey in ways. So it wouldn't be the farthest stretch, but I have a hard time seeing it as well. Okay. So outside of the hit tool, outside of just that, you know, 50 hit tool that we would wish to be a little bit better, it's still average at 50. But are there any other weaknesses in the game that we need to be worrying about? Obviously, speed's not there, but it's a catcher position. Speed's not a necessity. Yeah, I mean, 50 hit tool is not even a weakness either, but the speed you're not worried about is a catcher. I mean, everything he brings to the table for a catcher, you're happy with. I mean, even if he had a 40 hit tool, the tool sets here is still legitimate, and that's still a solid, a really solid player. So, I mean... The fact that he has an average hit tool as well, he's going to be a top five catcher in the game. I just don't think it's going to garner MVP votes. I mean, the problems with his bat is that he's striking out a lot. I mean, that's that. I mean, that's his problem. Even in college, that he's going to get swinging misses. So I think that's the thing that most of the people will point at at Bart as his weakness: his swing and miss ability. Okay. Yeah, let, let's just put it out there real quick. In Posey's MVP season, he hit three thirty six with a four hundred OBP and. 24 doubles and 103 RBIs while playing pretty solid defense and in the middle of a Giants World Series run and stuff. So that's probably what it's taking for Bart to win the MVP, and I don't see him touching that level, quite honestly. The power, yes. The hitting and average and OBP and all, probably not. But I mean, quite honestly, I can see Salvador Perez potentially. I mean, he's just a cornerstone at the position. Like, he's going to be the leader in the field for the long run. So, I mean, it's still a pretty good player to have quite honestly if it, even though he, he will not likely be an MVP candidate but if he does pick up an MVP though I mean I would be elated <laughs> oh yeah he's a franchise oh. catcher no <laughs> doubt about it yeah and I, I I know you're talking about the the swing and miss potential there I don't see it being that bad by the numbers 21% K rate in a league where everyone's in the 30s now or at least everyone all the power hitters are in the 30s now and only a 10% swinging strike percentage, it's it's definitely there. It's substantial. But it's not as bad as so many other players that we have these high-power, mm, average hit tools on. I think that 21% mm. kind of fine in this profile. I checked his data earlier today, and I saw that he's striking out on breaking balls at a pretty high clip of around 46%. So I think that will be the problem for him is that hitting breaking balls but i mean if he can if he can still hunt for fastballs and hit fastballs i mean 
I mean, I would, I, I don't see a lot of issues there. Well, as you just gave the entire NLS the scouting report to how to pitch to Joey Bart, just throw him curveball, 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 and Pretty he'll much. bat, you know, <laughs> uh, he'll bat 11. But, uh, I want to move down to the second guy in the system, the number two prospect, much younger than Bart, but he offers as much upside, possibly more, depending on how you look at it. We're talking Marco Luciano. Likely a top 20 prospect in the sport, Luciano is going to give the Giants a monster bat with 60 hit and 70 power. Defense plays well with a future 50 fielding grade and a 60 future arm. Does he profile out to be a shortstop of the future, or, or is that 50 fielding grade going to try to move him to third? Uh, for me, I think that, I mean, I would still give him like every every opportunity in the world to play shortstop and improve there because major league yeah, major league instructions are just much better than minor league instructions based on how I see it. But I mean, Luciano's bat is so, so good. I hear plenty of guys talk to him like the ball just shot out of a cannon. His bat will definitely carry him to the big leagues anyways. And he got a power, he got a chance to hit for at least 30 home runs. I mean, I can definitely see him hit 40 home runs with like 275 batting average. And in itself, it's it's a pretty special player if you're talking about it, regardless of the defense. So, I mean, if he even stick at third baseman, I mean, that would be really good. That would still be really good. But if he's at shortstop, man, that will be unstoppable, I guess. Yeah, I think he's the third baseman as well. I don't I don't see him as a shortstop long-term, quite honestly. Um, just the defense overall is probably going to shift him over there as he fills into his body as well. He's a pretty strong kid, pretty big kid. He still has room to fill out. So I definitely see him as a third baseman and... Quite honestly, he probably has the most upside of any of prospect in baseball, other than maybe like Wander Franco. Like once Wander graduates, I don't see any reason why he's not the number one prospect in baseball. Quite honestly, like this kid has every tool you'd want, other than the fact that he probably can't stick a shortstop. But you're talking a potential sixty hit and a seventy power. I mean, just right over there, you're talking about a pretty special player in itself. And then the athleticism he shows, just solid arm strength above average, just all around, he's just an incredible player. Quite honestly. And he probably has top five bat speed in entire baseball, minors, major leagues, just combined. It's honestly just incredible the amount of bat speed he's able to produce. But yeah, I mean, I see no chance this kid doesn't really have a major league future. And I'm just excited to kind of get him going. Well, his tools kind of look like Carlos Correa. And if that's a Carlos Correa type, this is fantastic. Yeah, a little, a little worse in the fielding. That's why I definitely think he'll shift over. Correa is definitely a firm shortstop for his career. But um, other than the fielding, they're pretty comparable for sure. I don't know. I'm looking at the 2014 scouting report on Correa, and they gave him a 50 field. That's sure, he had the 70 arm, but they gave him a 50 field. What? You're looking at 2014. Well, that was his. Well, he was number two prospect in baseball. Well, to be fair, <laughs> there are plenty of conversations about Luciano that will definitely move him out of the position because... I mean, based on what I saw last year and the inter-squad games, his footwork definitely needs improvement and his ability to throw in multiple angles, especially especially, especially on the sidearm. He's definitely losing accuracy on the ball when he throws it. So if he improves that, man, he's going to be a player. Sure. I, I mean, I think the combination of Bart and Luciano at the top, I always talk about how I want my franchises built with a cornerstone of catcher, shortstop, center fielder. You got two right there. And then we're talking about an outfielder next in Helio Ramos. He's the number three in the system. And he's actually our first listener question of the day. 
Uh, we got this one from Reddit. TPyman2029 asks, what's going on with Helio Ramos? I remember during the Stanton trade talks, he was off limits because he was you know, going to be the next big thing. And since then, I don't hear a lot about him. Well, I started researching how to answer this, and it seems like the last few preseason rankings kind of agree with things are weird with Ramos. You know, in 2018, he was firmly in the top 80. And then in 2019, he fell off a lot of boards. He he was barely in a couple, maybe in the late 90s on a lot of these boards across the internet. And now this year, he's up top 40 talent. Uh, the future values are all over the map here. So help me understand what's going on with Ramos and what's he going to turn into? Well, the thing is that once you get older and once you have more more lookings from scouts, I mean, the more that they realize what, what player you would eventually be become, I guess. And that's pretty much what's happening with Elliot Ramos. But I mean, he'd reached double A last year at age 19. And that's still a pretty big accomplishment. And he's shown to... Yeah, he was five years younger than the rest of the league. Oh, yeah. And... And I mean, he's shown a lot of progress based on his 2018 season, jumping into 2019. He's made a lot of adjustments in terms of hitting the ball the other way, uh, taking taking more taking more balls outside the strike zone, and having just a much better approach at the plate. And I mean, he's had a leg infection in the inter squads, but he's back in he's back in Sacramento and. The reports that I am receiving from him, based on multiple contacts, are he's very good. He's still pretty good, I guess. And he's not going to be likely as good as Bart or Luciano, but I can definitely see him become at least an average baseball player with potential to garner a couple of a couple or two All Star appearances. So you note in your article that he's lost a step because he's added a bunch of muscle to his frame. Does that mean mm-hmm. he's no longer a center field type? Is he going to have to be relegated to a, a corner? I mean, he has a strong arm, so he will most likely move to right field. But, I mean, I, I can definitely see the Giants give Elliott chances at center field in his early years in the major leagues because that's where he grew up, I guess, in center field. And he's shown the ability to have pretty good reads and to do some pretty spectacular catches, but I mean, he's grown a lot from his Puerto Rican days, so he's he's now pretty big, and I can definitely see him hit 30 home runs. He has a Yohannes Cespedes comp on him, so you can definitely see that in him, in Elliot. Well, th- I guess that was going to be my next question to Jake, because, Jake, what do you see this bat turning into? Now, uh, Rinzi says a potential 30 home run bat. Do you What do you kind of see his, his slash lines looking like? Uh, I mean, I don't, know. I don't know about a complete slash line, but probably home runs, probably mid-20s of tapping out the 30 probably I'm, I'm a little concerned on the hit tool a little bit the Cespedes comps not bad I think it's more like a Cespedes light in a way I don't think he's gonna reach Cespedes his full potential he doesn't have the complete 80 arm that Cespedes has he has a plus arm but he doesn't have the elite arm he's a solid fielder he's not a center fielder in my eyes there's no way you play Heliot in center field in in Oracle in center field there there's way too much outfield grass for him to have to maneuver and run down and when you're talking about the next guy we get to who's also not going to be a center fielder i think they're going to need a complete center fielder out there but also offensive ceiling yeah he could he could garner some all-star appearances at his best maybe one or two i'm i don't think he's a bad player i just think he's a solid middle of the order player that's just a very solid key piece of the uh giants future just probably not going to be the overhyped player that everyone kind of thought he was a few years ago a mm-hmm. uh, couple things to keep an eye on 26 percent k rate and i know Renzi, you were talking earlier, you worried about Bart's 21% K rate. Now, maybe that K rate was more on the curveball with Bart, but still 26% is eking up to that heights where we're like, eh, maybe bring that down a bit. And then um, 
18 attempted stolen bases last year. He only stole eight. So he had a lower than 50% success rate. Uh, I don't know if he still thinks he's faster because he has added that muscle and he's slowing down ever, just ever so slightly. But that I would like to see swapped out and just a little bit more stolen bases than caught stealings. Oh, definitely, man. But to be honest, I don't really see him stealing a lot of bases in the major leagues. Probably, probably in the range of 10 to 15. But I mean, you're going to get a complete player in Elliot Ramos if he can cut down his strikeouts, improve more, and just improve more as, as a hitter, be a complete hitter. I mean, I can definitely see the potential that he has a couple of years ago. Well, let's move on to the next guy in the system who is going to be, you know, potentially an outfield brother of Ramos. We're looking at Hunter Bishop, a 45 plus future value and another 60 power guy. Uh, this time he Bishop is a kind of guy who complements power with the speed. He's got 60 speed and above average fielding, but below average arm and below average hit. It's a little hard to profile him. What type of player do we have here in Bishop? Does he have enough overall tools? If he doesn't have an arm to play in the outfield, if he doesn't have a hit to utilize that power, what do we have in Bishop? I think what do we have in Bishop is a three true outcomes type of a player offensively and a pretty good left fielder defensively. What I mean is that he can definitely draw a lot of walks, but the compensation for it is there will be plenty of swing and miss. I mean, his eye at the plate is pretty good, but I can definitely see some holes in his swing just because of his natural height. And I mean, what we saw in his cup of coffee in Pro Bowl is that I think that will be the norm in the future. And for me, if he can hit 30 home runs and draw a lot of walks and steal a lot of bases, I mean, that's still pretty good, I guess. And that's the potential to become at least a major league player, in my opinion. I mean, you're high on these guys. 30 home run, 30 home run. I keep hearing it. I don't see a lineup of all these guys hitting 30 home runs. Jake, are, are we going to be brought down to earth here? Yeah, I mean, overall, he has that potential to hit 30 home runs. He's not going to be probably your top of the order guy. But the problem is with these guys is they're going to be hitting 30 homers and they're, they're all really good players, but none of them are going to be that consistent. But yeah, he's definitely a left field arm. He's definitely a fun player, though. I, I think he'll he'll be successful. He's going to probably be in that 5-6 hole in the order. But and overall, I think he definitely has that tool set to hit 30 home runs. But I don't think it's going to be a consistent thing with him. I think it's going to be more sporadic kind of year to year. You'll see 20, you'll see 30, you'll see high OBP numbers especially in that ballpark, it's going to be tough for him to consistently hit into the power with um, the swing and miss he has there. But he'll be on base a whole lot just due to his um, OBP and stuff. You're right with that high OBP, though. I'm you know, looking at his numbers just from 2019. His batting average is all the way down uh, 224 at Salem-Kaiser. His OBP is 427, 200 points higher. That's outstanding. The ability to draw walks, the ability to get on base without a hit tool. If you can utilize that, you're right, that the combination of that and the power and his plus fielding in left field, he could be something. Yeah, I, th- I think Bishop was honestly pretty advanced for those levels, quite honestly. He, he was a pretty co- strong college player, and I think he was honestly way too advanced for rookie ball. And then low A, he was, he did well, obviously, as well, but he should have probably went directly into low A and played the entire year. They only played seven games of rookie ball, but he was ready for it, and quite honestly, could have probably even got the bump up to high A, but I think we'll see him in double A next year quite easily, maybe even triple a and he's in a very easily debut by 2022 and it's even possible we see him at the end of next year with the way he's kind of going i haven't really checked in on him at the alternate site but if he shows well and shows up well early in the year he could be a guy we see by the end of next year 
Okay. Well, Renzi, last thought on uh, Bishop before we move on to number five? Actually, not a last thought on Bishop, but last thought on the top four in general. You can definitely see that the Giants are really stacking up on the power hitters because getting yeah. power hitters in, to play in Oracle is a pretty tall task, if you if you if you ask me. So if you can if you can get cheap, controllable power hitters that you can that can hit bombs in Oracle, then that would be that would be pretty good, I guess. Then just buy some pitching and you're good to go. Yeah, I mean, the most fun part about Oracle Park is hitting a home run into McCovey Cove. You got to load up with all the home run hitters so that we can see the kayakers lose their mind. That's the best part of the stadium. That's the best part of the stadium. <laughs> but guys, let's move on, Rinzi. Let's move on to number five. We're going to round out these top five here. And it's a familiar name. He's another catcher, this time a 45 plus future value, Patrick Bailey. Uh, I know we went over Bailey in the draft pod. And, and honestly, it's a similar question this time around. He's the first round pick at catcher, which was a position firmly grasped by the number one Joey Bart. Now that we've had some time to sink in and read reports on Bailey, what's happening at the alternate site and whatnot, what's the plan here? I mean, spot starts for Joey Bart and DH on the days he doesn't catch. I feel like if you walk into the season with that as your mentality, you lose so much flexibility. Does it not matter at all because the bat just has to play? I mean, that's true, but... Uh, I from base or what I saw uh, at, at the alternate side, he's taking some reps at first base and while he's playing catch. So I think I think the Giants are probably checking on him. Or if he can stick at first base, then play catch alternatively with Joy Bart. But like what we said in the draft podcast, that Bailey will going to be likely a three through outcomes player with. Very with potential to become at least aber- above average defender at catcher, and if he can apply his catching mentality at first base or even in the corner outfield someday, positional flexibility is the key for the Giants. And if they can take that, Bailey can handle multiple positions defensively, and I think Bailey will be pretty good as a player overall. Uh, Jake, what do you, what are your thoughts on Patrick Bailey as a player, backup catcher, position position flexibility at first? Tell me about the bat. Well, to answer your first question, you think it loses your team versatility. I honestly think it gains your team a credible amount of versatility. Quite honestly, if Bailey and Bart are both able to be in your lineup every day, giving each other rest, giving each other versatility with the DH now moving to the NL, ability to play first base with Bailey, Bart even moving over the first base, save his knees a little bit, extend his career, extend his bat every game, make that healthy. Find Bailey and Bart, a few guys they're comfortable with catching, and but think about think about the 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 player that always happens in baseball that can hit and can't field, but you got to put the bat in the lineup. That's what the DH is for. If Bailey can field and if Bart can field, play them at positions that can field. What what I'm saying about losing flexibility is automatically walking into the season saying this guy who is a plus fielder is going to be a DH. That's not what they're saying, and it. Your catcher doesn't catch every 162 games a year, man. You, you need to rest. Okay, so on the days that Bailey catches and Bart DHs, or, or, or vice versa, you're still limiting your DH options. You're not going to be able to bring in a Nelson Cruz type because... Not every team you needs can't a Nelson fit. Cruz type, and in my opinion, those types are very... There's one Nelson Cruz in the MLB. There's no one else in the league that really can provide that. And then, in my opinion, the, the DH is best used as just a revolving door quite honestly when you stick a guy in your dh in my opinion that loses your team a ton of versatility because then you have a guy who can't field can only do one thing hit the ball a mile 
and you shove him in your lineup and you say, all right, everyone else is stuck to playing the field. If we want to put you at the DH, we lose one of our best bats. How does that help your team? Uh, agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, man, but I mean, man, there's still one player that we are still pretty forgetting, and that's Buster Posey. I mean, he's going to move out of catcher pretty soon, and he's going to be first base and DH. So that will be the three revolving doors, in my opinion. Either him, Bart, and Bailey just playing either catcher, first base, or DH. That will be the that will be the merry-go-round, in my opinion. Bailey's athletic enough to play multiple positions, and I think letting Bart catch 100 games a year, letting Bailey catch 40, 50 games a year, whatever the last last 10 happened with, maybe they can split them all between the two of them. You have them both in your lineup, keeping their needs fresh, keeping them both fresh into their late 20s, into their 30s, not having the stuff happen that happened to Joe Maurer, not having the stuff that happened to Posey towards now and the end of his career. I mean, Posey's not crazy old. I mean, not many catchers live into their late 30s other than maybe Yachty or Molina these days. And if you can extend these guys' careers and get consistent production from them with their bat and not have them tired on days and dragging just kind of getting through a long season where you can have a fresh catcher a stud catcher every single night i think that gives your team just so much so much potential okay well guys let's take a quick break real quick while we while we regain our composure we're all we're all heated over the dh debate but (laughs) let's take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors and we'll be right back hey jake have you ever heard of the podcast around the diamond with jake and thomas wait actually are you that jake Nope, that's not me. That's too many, too many jakes around here in these baseball circles. <laughs> Guys, this podcast is great. Literally all baseball topics are covered. Breaking news, predictions, rankings, and in their most recent episode, they did a full trade deadline breakdown, which was both informative and pretty dang entertaining. If you haven't heard them, go check them out once once our outro completes at the end of this episode. Don't stop listening to us now. Their Instagram's at ATD with Jake and Thomas, and you can listen to them on all podcasting locations. I know 100% I don't have to tell you guys to give a good review because you listeners out there in, in your cars, maybe maybe in a cafe with headphones on, maybe you're taking your government-issued daily walks, you listeners are great at giving those five-star reviews. Check them out. They are Jake and Thomas, and their pod is Around the Diamond. Jake, you sure that isn't you? John, that's not me. All right. And we are back. Welcome back like we never left. We've been touching on the top five prospects on the San Francisco Giants, and now we're moving on to spotlight five more among the top 20. And next on your list, Renzi, is a guy that, frankly, I'm surprised isn't a top five player. He's at number seven, Luis Matos. I guess it shows to show the strength of the, of the top of the system because this guy can offer an above-average hit, power, and speed. He's 50-grade average arm and fielding grades. Overall, he's an outfielder who OPS over 1,000 with a K rate of only 10%. He pulls the ball maybe a bit too much at 60%, but that's about the only flaw I see. What do you see Matos offering? I mean, in my opinion, what I see in Matos is just the maturity as a hitter, just way beyond his age. I mean, he's playing with the Dominicans in the DSL, but you can definitely see that he's playing like a low-A player already because of how good his feel for the barrel is at the moment. I mean, yeah, I can agree that his pull percentage is a little bit too much for the, at the moment, and I would definitely like to see him hit the balls the other way and just incorporate the whole field. But his pre-natural, his pre-natural feel for hitting, his plus bat speed, and just a pretty solid, pretty solid skill set makes him a 
pretty good prospect, but there's still Alex Canario to move up against ahead of him. But I can't just see how I can move Luis Matos ahead of Alex Canario at the moment. So at this point in time, he can stay at number seven, but he's going to still be a pretty <laughs> special player, in my opinion, just because of how good his bat can be. Yeah, sure. And I, by, by no means am I arguing with the list. I'm just I'm impressed that the number seven player I can be so enamored with. Jake is enamored with him as well, in my opinion. Yeah, I like, I like Matos a lot. He's a really strong player. Uh, I think he's the center fielder of the future here. He's probably more of a 50 fielder right now, but I think he can probably grow into 55 fielding, above average fielding, um, just with, as he grows with instincts and all that. But I'm a big fan of Matos, as kind of Renzi's kind of led you into. But yeah, I mean, the tool set right here is just extremely fun to just kind of watch and just see play out. I mean, the swing is just, as he said, matured. He shows a lot of good tools in the box, a lot of just good maturity for a young kid. Um, just as he kind of gets more more, uh, more reps and just kind of grows into his body, I think he's going to grow into power. And when you have an above-average hit tool, probably league-average power, but you're going to be hitting 20, 25 homers a year, and you got above-average speed, will, willing and able to steal bases, stick in the center. It's a pretty fun prospect, and when you're at number seven, it just shows, like you guys said, the system's just really, really deep. And if you see once Bart and Elliot graduate and even Bishop, he will be in the top three. So, and his FB will definitely move up as a result. He's just—he's not going to stay at 45 all the time. He will definitely improve. So I can definitely see the promise in him. Yeah, so many things to like with Matos. You got that, I mean, even something that's not even as big of a part of the game anymore, but still 21 stolen bases, only three caught stealing. He knows what he's doing. He's a smart player. He's a mature player at, at such a young age. I'm going to be impressed. I'm going to be intrigued to see how he progresses because you're right. The center fielder is going to be pretty special. Uh, but let's move all the way down to number 11 next on your list. He's the ground ball king. We're talking pitcher Sean Jelly. No one threw more innings in the minors and induced more ground balls than Sean Jelly. His, his overall stuff and command are all you know fair. But his K rates are low and he's got a career strikeouts per inning of under one. The ground ball rate is his saving grace. How does he do it so effectively? He does it so effectively because he's 6'11", and his ball release is <laughs> very, very high. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> yes, of he's, course. He's 6'11", and his release point is very high. So even if even if it's just a four-seamer down in the zone, you, he will definitely get a lot of ground balls because of the, because of the, odd, because of the odd release angle. So... I mean, I mean, Jelly as a prospect. I mean, stuff-wise, he's pretty average. I mean, the fastball can get to 96 in the mm-hmm. bullpen. His knuckle curveball is his best pitch. It flashes above average, but just a pretty solid offering. But his changeup looks okay. His like slider slash cutter is pretty okay. But I mean, that's the problem with Jelly. He 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 struggles to strike out because his stuff is his stuff is pretty fair, like what you said. But I mean. If if you can get sixty percent ground ball rates, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you don't need strikeouts. If you can get so many ground balls, if you have a good defense behind you, strikeouts don't matter. I mean, as much as we love to see thirteen, fourteen strikeouts per nine, Jelly can play with his eight per nine because of how good his ground ball rate is. All the balls are going to be right in the dirt. And yeah, that's true. But but I but what I saw from him is that he's he gets hit around quite 
quite more than what I expect from him in the minor leagues. I mean, in my opinion, because his mechanics, even though he's a very smooth pitcher on the mound, he's very graceful in his actions. His mechanics are pretty easy to time. So even though even though his mechanics are pretty smooth, if he can, if he only throws like ninety-two, he's still, he's definitely going to get hit around. So that's a problem that I see from him. So I mean, I hope that he can pick up pick up a bit of velocity and gain more quality in his fast in his breaking ball. But yeah, ground ball king, let's go. <laughs> uh, Jake, what are your thoughts on him? If is he gonna stick in the major league rotation with just such average stuff? Yeah, I think he has a chance to be a back rotation guy. He literally reminds me of the complete opposite of um, old pitcher we had, Chris Young. Literally 6'10", ultimate fly ball pitcher. And here we have a 6'11", ultimate ground ball pitcher. I think they're just literally polar opposites, but similar in the fact that they're both huge. But I mean, and again, Chris Young's stuff was fairly average. He didn't have outstanding stuff. He just, it's tough to pit these guys when you have a guy 6'11". You don't see a guy ever 6'11 coming at you. I mean, even through the minors, you hardly maybe see one or two throughout your entire career. And you got these guys that are able to just get the ball on you, even though they're not overpowering in terms of velocity and stuff. They're when the ball gets on you at that reach and that extension, it seems like it's pretty high velocity and pretty nasty stuff. And I mean, Hegeli kind of has that effect. You usually see like a six 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 seven guy make it perceive a velocity change of like two miles an hour. Six eleven is going to be insane. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't have the exact numbers on that for him, but it's it. I, I haven't hit against these guys either. I've never hit against a six foot eleven guy, but I can only imagine the reach on that and what it just feels like. I mean, 60 inches isn't far in already. And then when you get a guy reaching halfway through the plate to you, I mean, it's not fun. I heard from one person that his release point is like imagining throwing like a, like someone just throw from the roof and just try to hit it on that same direction. It's just pretty tough. It's just pretty unnatural. Yeah. I, uh, I'm trying to figure out that metaphor and that's, that is tough. <laughs> that is, that is, uh, I don't ever want to have to face first off. I don't swing baseball bats. I'm terrible at baseball. So I, I would never want to be in the batter's box there, but even if I were good, I wouldn't want to face a guy like this. I wouldn't know what was coming, how to even perceive what's coming. So jelly is going to be interesting, even though that stuff just is all fifties and 45s and just nothing special. The overall, ability that he has is scary um, but let's move on now guys uh, Rinzi, i like what you did with the next three spotlights in previous episodes a lot of the spotlight guys are you know big names outside the top five but big names nonetheless what you've done is you took the last three guys and you said who was on the cusp of that 20 range you went 18 19 20 a lot of 40 future values that just barely beat out the huge swath of other 40 future value guys that are you know on the outside of the top 20. But let's hit the first one, number 18, uh, pitcher Tank Highway. A pitcher like this always baffles me. He's got limited stuff, albeit good command. He has you know no filthy pitch similar to Jelly. In fact, his fastball curve, slider, and changeup all top out with 50 grades, all average. One look at the numbers, though, and you see a different story. A 1.5 ERA and a whip under one. A ground ball rate over 50% and an astonishing 0.1 home runs allowed per nine. How is he doing this? He's in high A ball, so it's not like it's rookie ball trash competition. He's dominating. Oh, he definitely is dominating. But 
I mean, what I see from him is that he's pitching like a triple A pitcher in A ball. That's what I can see from him based on his operation at the mound, how he can exploit hitter's tendencies. If he sees a hitter swing late on the fastball, he will definitely pound him fastballs. If he can, if he sees a hitter early on the breaking ball, he's definitely feeding him off-speed stuff. That's just how his operation works. And even though his stuff is pretty average, he can definitely locate his spots with his fastball, curveball, slider, and changeup. I mean, you can def- you can see him pitch curveballs in the black. Fastballs on the black, changeups on the black, and it's just a pretty tough spot for a hitter. I mean, for an A-ball hitter, that's a pretty tough spot, to be honest. Yeah, he's Tang's a fun guy. He's a big guy. Overall, I mean, the skill set's interesting. It's not overpowering by any means. It's more just command and not a ton of stuff. I think he has potential to be a back-in-the-rotation starter just with the four-pitch mix, the command, just... All the above, he has this. Obviously, he has the build to last. He's 6'4", 260. so he definitely has the durability and frame to get through starts in a season. But yeah, I mean, I think his his uh, his ceiling is probably definitely a back end of the rotation starter, and you hope he reaches that. If not, he can probably turn into a middle to back end of the uh, back end of the bullpen guy with his stuff, and likely it'll play up a little bit in the bullpen. Um, but I think you're really hoping he makes it in the rotation here. Yeah, I. Uh... I didn't realize how how large he was, and not in a bad way, in a in a durable way. He's going to be. We're not going to be worrying about him breaking down anytime soon. He he should be an inning eater for them with that spot on command that that Renzi was talking about. He should be an impressive, you know, right back of the rotation pitcher. Uh, but let let's keep rolling. This time to number nineteen, we've got an outfielder, Grant McRae. McRae seems relatively raw right now, but with pretty good upside for sure. He's only 19 in the rookie ball, and he hasn't displayed much for power, only slugging 335. His tools grade out to below average, but not miserable 40 grade. The highlights come everywhere else. 50 future hit, 50 and 55 glove and arm, and in a system that doesn't have much speed, he's one of the fastest with the 60 speed. As I looked across the internet, McRae seems to typically fall outside the top 30, but sneaks just inside barely here. Why do y'all have him in the top 20? What do you like most about McRae to give him the edge over all those other guys with that 40 future value? I mean, what I like about McRae is that in his prep days, he's played track and field and football aside from baseball. And I mean, his eye of the plate is pretty advanced if you're talking about a player who plays three sports. I mean, his wire is strong and he's definitely going to get stronger and better as a hitter. I mean, his his problems as a hitter are all are all pretty power-related or strength-related, I should say. He's struggling to get the ball to the air, but, I mean, he's he's 6 to 175. There's definitely projection in his body, and he's definitely a plus athlete. And with the way that he's already advanced the plate, taking pitches, and you know, had a good knowledge of the strikes, so I can definitely see the promise in him. Yeah, I think McRae's definitely an interesting player. As you said, he's not on a ton of top 20s, but um, he has some skills. He's got some stuff to work with. He's definitely going to probably be a little slower mover. I think he's got some um, things to kind of work out and kind of battle through, but just some swing changes and mechanical stuff. But if he can get through those, I think he definitely has he has a chance to stick. I mean, he's got a skill set that probably will be able to stick in center. Likely will shift him over to a corner outfield spot, but he has a skill set that could play in center. A solid hit tool. As Renzi said, that the power is definitely where it's going to kind of limit him at times. Um, he's gotten strong over the last year, but I don't know if it's going to be enough to kind of help him tap into that power unless he makes, again, a, just a complete swing change, more or less. Just the timing and everything on his swing is just a little off. I think if the Giants were with him a bit, it could definitely do a lot of dividends and just 
more help him tap into maybe some power he has or just in general make him a more consistent hitter and it'll make him a more consistent prospect in, in itself so so talking about prospects that we see something special in that maybe others don't i want to look at the next guy as well he's, he's really interesting pj hilson his name appears scattered across the bottom of the middle of a lot of publications online and some lists go as far as 50 prospects long on the giants and he's not included in that top 50 He's considered one of the best athletes in the entire system, and that's easy to see with his 55 raw power, 70 speed, 70 arm. Uh, the bat certainly does need some work. The hit tool does. But from pure athleticism and excitement, Hilson can't be denied. He, where is he going to slot in the, into the Giants' future? And if that develops, is he definitely starting lineup type? Oh, if his if his hit all comes together, I mean, he's definitely a starter type of starter type material because of how his other tools are graded, in my opinion. I mean, you you point that out: seventy arm, seventy speed. I mean, above average raw power, potential to become above average fielder in the outfield, most likely in center field. But his issues uh, his issues with the bat is just probably too much for other publications to just forget about him, I guess, but I can definitely see some improvements to his to his overall batting stance, particularly in his balance and keeping his eye on the ball better. That will definitely make him take off if he can figure it out. Well, not even on home run power, but just the ability, it, it must be his launch angle or something because when the few times that he does hit the ball, 51% fly ball, fly ball rate, 22% line drive rate, only a 27% ground ball rate. So that ball is going in the air. And with that power, if he can develop that a little bit, that power is going to be putting that ball outside of Oracle. Well, the problem is that he can hit he can hit the ball in the air, but how much can he hit the ball in the air? That's the issue because of his concerningly high strikeout rate because he's, he's just, I mean, in my opinion... Or, in his in his in his opinion as well, he's struggling to see the ball, and because his balance is pretty whack when he starts his motion. So, I mean, if he can improve his foundation at the plate or in the batter's box, I can definitely see him become become a pretty good player or a pretty good prospect, in my opinion. Well, don't get me wrong; I am against these types of prospects, like the most of them. If you don't have a hit tool, get out of my list. But you can't deny this guy. This guy has so many big tools. We'd be fools to not have him on this top 20. Jake, what are your thoughts on Hilson? Yeah, I mean, we kind of had the same thought. I didn't make the list with Renzi by any means, but he he pretty much hit the list and we were down or he was on the last guy. And so, yeah, there was a player on there that ended up not making the cut and he wanted to find someone else new. So we were kind of looking at, at options and we, we knew he knew about Hilson, obviously, and he kind of showed me about him. And the more I looked and I was like, I don't think there's a chance we can leave this guy off the list, quite honestly, with his skill set. I mean, even if he doesn't hit, he's more than likely going to find the role at some point just due to the skill set with the speed, the arm, and the ability to stick in center field, especially in Oracle in that huge stadium. Like I mentioned earlier, you want that kind of skill set to be able to stick there. And then having that speed just as a defensive replacement, as a pinch runner, if anything, that's like his floor. I mean, if it becomes better, you're talking maybe like a faster Juan Ligaris in a way, strong defender, some power, if he can tap into a little more power, probably hit more homers than the Ligaris. And we're talking about a pretty strong player, quite honestly, at that point. But can he get there with the bat? Uh, it's going to be tough. But as Renzi said, there's a lot of kind of things to work through right now with his timing and just, just motion and all with his swing. He's got a lot of moving parts. But 
if he can battle through it, I mean, he's definitely going to be fun to watch. And like you said, it, it was tough for us to kind of leave him off at, after the fact that we had to remove someone. And if his list was 25, it wouldn't be a question he'd be on there. But the fact it was only 20, his skill set's not outstanding, but it's definitely interesting. And probably next year, if we see some more improvements, he's going to jump the list a little bit because you can't deny the skill set. It's definitely fun. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm curious about the other guys that he that they've all you know, these 18, 19, 20 all beat out. There's a large number of people in that giant system that are all in that 40, 35 future values uh, grouping. But before we kind of touch on some of those guys, let's take a broader look at the entire system. Look at the guys we didn't talk about today. Number six is Alexander Canario, an outfielder. And then after Luis Matos at number seven, we had eight, nine, ten. Seth Corey was a left-handed pitcher. Luis Toribio is a third baseman. And Will Wilson, shortstop, second base, possibly the shortstop of the future since Luciano might not stick with the position. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure. At number 12, we have Kyle Harrison, left-handed pitcher, and followed by uh, Jairo Pomares, outfielder, Logan Wyatt, first base, Nick Swiney, lefty pitcher, Blake Rivera, righty pitcher, and then Tristan Beck, another righty, going in at 17. But outside of these top 20, we kind of touched on them. Who are those guys outside those top 20 that kind of those 18, 19, 20 guys beat out? Who do you, who else do you want to spotlight here? I mean, there's Camilo Duvall, uh, a, side, a sidewinder pitcher that can throw high 90s with at least 2,700 spin rate on his fastball uh, and maxing out at around 2,900. And we also have Keisha Smith, the second round draft choice this year. We also have Ricardo Hinobis, the the catcher, the catcher who has big tools, big power, and big arm. But his title is also a pretty big question. We also have Melvin Adon, that can reach a hundred miles an hour, but he's already pretty old, and he's definitely a finished product based on what I can see. And we actually have a lot of pretty good young guys. I mean, definitely young. I mean, young in terms of there are international prospects like Iverson Arteaga, Smerlin Venetio, my man Javier Francisco Estrella, Anthony Rodriguez, Rainer Santana is actually almost going to make it to the, to the top 20, in my opinion, if not for Fiji Hills, in my opinion. Also, Victor Bericotto and Adrian Sugatze and Manuel Mercedes. I mean, those guys that, are, that I talked about are international guys, and they're still in the lower depths of the system. I mean, come two or three years, I mean, even four years' time. I mean, I look forward to them dominating the top of the Giants' prospect list, in my opinion. And, and you actually named a lot of guys that some of the Reddit people were curious about. You know, Javier Francisco, Victor Barracoda, Rainer Santana. These guys were all question marks on Reddit. People were saying, like, you know, they're probably not going to be in the top 20, but what do you think about them? And they nailed it. You, you said every single one of these names. Do you think, you know, decent ceilings there with those types of players? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, Iverson has the potential to become at least a solid player in the majors based on how good his feel for the shortstop position is at the moment. I mean, he's 16, but he can definitely he's a, he can definitely fill the position. I mean, Javier Francisco Estrella. I mean, we talk. I mean, I talked about him in our site as a potential Fernando Tatis Jr. type of player. I mean, the t- the tools <laughs> and the ceiling. Like- yeah, I mean, the tools and the ceiling are there. I mean, it's just a matter of time for him to get it. And, I mean, Rainer Santana, he's a catcher, but, man, his bat and his ability to hit are pretty good if you're talking about a 16-year-old catcher who's still developing his body. And, I mean, 
based on what I based from what I saw in Baseball America, Manuel Mercedes can hit 100 miles an hour already as a 16 or 17 year old. If I'm not mistaken, I, I mean. I mean, what else can you ask for? <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, uh, Jake, I know Renzi is a lot more knowledgeable on the system. That's why we brought him on for this. But is there anyone that you wanted the spotlight outside the top 20? I mean, I think he just named every prospect they have. So <laughs> I don't think yeah, we're, we're, we're on the bench and rookie ball after after the list that he just went through. So, yeah, but I mean, um, I'll just touch on one. Just uh, Ricardo Genovas, the catcher. I think he's he's definitely an interesting product because He's very, very unathletic, but he has some fun tools. As Renzi touched on, he has some power. He's got some. He's got an ability to kind of stick back there as a catch and throw guy, but I'm not sure he has the kind of mobility and just overall athleticism to kind of be a catcher long term. I'm kind of hoping he improves a little bit in that aspect, but that's kind of the one aspect that's kind of toughest to improve in. So I'm a little skeptical, but. Yeah, I mean, this system just loaded with just low-end talent that's just kind of on the verge of breaking through, but they're just kind of in need of that one little boost of tool set or skill, or just they're missing one little part that they need to jump into that ranks. But I think we would also be doing everyone a disservice here if we didn't touch on the Will Wilson deal, because I'm an Angel fan, and Renzi's a Giants fan, and we gave up our first-round pick for getting rid of cash virtually. Although I thought it was a good idea at the time. I'm not a big fan of Will Wilson. I'm pretty sure Lorenzi will fall in the same field as me. Although we'll hear his opinion in a sec. But overall, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of, fan of Wilson. That deal helped us get Rendon. So I think it was a win-win in both situations. Giants take on a player they had no intentions of playing. With salary, they don't intend of using. And they got a prospect that was drafted in the top two rounds and see what comes of it. So... I'd be curious to see what Vanzi thinks of it. I think Wilson is a pretty pretty interesting prospect, but I don't really see much potential. I mean, he's going to be a pretty solid player. From what I can see of him, I can definitely see him like a prototypical athletics type of player, just a pretty mature player, solid tools overall, has that has that instincts and that feel for the game that are being sought of highly. His ceiling is not that high. I mean, I can definitely see him become an everyday player in the major league level, but I'm not a big fan of Will Wilson either, but I can definitely see why the Giants like him because pretty young for his age at exactly 21 years old at draft day. So, and he has some pretty good college stats to back up for it. So, I can definitely see why the Giants liked him a lot at the draft process. And when they can't get him, they just get him by a trade. They just like him a lot. <laughs> well, guys, I want to ask one more question. We're running a little short on time, but I have a great question from Reddit that I just want a quick answer on. Ron Mexico 7 wants to know just a top five ranks of the ceilings of the potential superstars in the system. So take away all the risk and all the floor. And just if every guy met his maximum, what are the top five in the system? Okay, let me start first. So definitely number one is Luciano. Then number two is Alex Canario. Just remove the risk and just as a pure ceiling, Alex Canario has a ceiling. Joey Bort is the next because he's a catcher. The next probably is Luis Matos. Then the next guy that I see is either a toss-up between Elliot and Bishop, but I can definitely see Elliot Ramos edging out Bishop. But yeah, I mean, that's my top five. Okay. It makes me feel good that Matos was in there because I was so high on Matos and he's outside of the five because of the floor question mark. But that high ceiling, you can't ignore. Yeah, sure. Um, For me, it'd 
probably just be Luciano. I mean, Luciano is definitely the number one. Two, I would probably just have to go with Bart due to the catcher spot. Um, if he reaches that, it's just too tough to pass up. I'm a little higher on Matos than I am Canario, so I'll put him three. Uh, and then Canario will be four. And then Bishop's five. But I am tempted to say Seth Corey because if that can reach its max, that's a pretty nasty wipeout lefty in my opinion. I'm just not sure it's going to reach that max because of the command issues. But his ceiling is pretty high in my opinion. But yeah. I mean, top five is just not enough. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you you can go onto Reddit, you can go find Ron Mexico 7, and you can give him, Randy, your top, I don't know, I think you're able to go top 108, is that about right? I think that's pretty short. <laughs> you can just list off names until you fall asleep, how's that? You, you can do that over on Reddit. But guys, that is the Giants pod today. Like always, we want to keep these tight, we had a lot of great information jammed in there today. Renzi, thank you so much for joining us, it is a pleasure having you, I know it's tough Time-wise, we're 12 hours difference, but man, you bring it every single time. I appreciate you. I mean, I appreciate it too, man. I mean, it's fun just to be here and talk Giants prospects and prospects in general. Yeah, and this is going to go out. I know you've got a lot of connections in the Giants world, so this is going to list pretty much everyone in the Bay Area is going to listen to this podcast, right? Pretty pretty much, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Jake, also with you as well, thank you for joining us, um, or thank you for, for being with me today. As we sign off, can you please tell the world where they can find you, and if there's anything you want to plug? Yeah, as always, you can find me on Twitter, um, at jtillinghas27, J-T-I-L-L-I-N-G-H-A-S-T-2-7. You can find uh, Prospects Worldwide on Twitter, at ProspectsWorldW. Our website is ProspectsWorldwide.com. Um, you can find our YouTube, obviously Prospects Worldwide. Got a bunch of videos on amateur talent for the draft, for prospects, for just a bunch of different stuff. So go check that out. Give us a subscription. Appreciate it. Sub to the pod. Helps a ton. Helps keeps us alive and on the air. So, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, Rinzi, same question to you. Where can people find you and what do you want to plug? I mean, you can find me on Giant Perspective on Twitter. Just remove the E if you want to type it. And you can you can see my stuff on my blog. I mean, before and but now I'm on Prospects Worldwide, so you can check out my stuff both on my blog and Prospects Worldwide. I want to plug the Perfect Game All American Classic that we're going to be covering up with Jake and I and the whole Prospects Worldwide team. So definitely check that out if you want. If you're really interested in 2021 or just general draft prospects in general. So yeah, that's all for me, I guess. Okay. Well, as always, I'm John Giles. You can follow me at Puma Revive. That's P-U-M-A-R-E-V-I-V-E-D. And please continue listening to the pod. We're going to have a ton more of these. We're almost halfway through, so keep trekking here. And remember, give us a good review. You can find the article that we talked about here over at prospectsworldwide.com. Click around over there. Find some more player scouting reports. Find uh, first impressions. And if you have any questions at all that you want to hear us talk about about your favorite team, uh, if we haven't talked about them already, please send us a line to at ProspectsWorldW on Twitter. I look forward to reading those questions, and I'll be happy to ask them next time. Thanks for listening today. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide.